From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Disneyland edition for the week of January 31st, 2013. I'm your host, Tom Bell, and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Wayne Toygo, Mary Jo Malad-Willie, and Michael Bowling. In this segment, Wayne has the first part in his Disneyland 101 series. What can we look forward to in this show, Wayne? Well, we've all heard the phrase. It's become almost a standard for the ultimate reward, the ultimate celebration. It's been used by Super Bowl victors for a brilliant ad campaign. (laughs) And the lead-in question, what are you going to do next? has been transformed to precede almost any major accomplishment. The phrase itself generates anticipation in every age, and many have reported that upon hearing the phrase, that they're now too excited to sleep. (laughs) I must admit that I'm definitely one of those fans, and I react just as strongly as the millions of others who know just what it's like when we say the phrase... We're going to Disneyland. We're calling this series of segments Disneyland 101. This is intended to be the introduction, the primer, if you will, for folks who have never been to Disneyland. For you Disneyland veterans, you may find some helpful hints or a new trick or two, but my intent here is to provide you some of the basic information for visiting the Disneyland Resort. I'm going to cover several topics, and it's going to span several episodes. We'll go into detail on some things, but rest assured, I'm not going to spoil all the details and fun of your first visit. We'll cover all those things that, having never been or seen the park, you may not have known about or know exactly how to plan for. This is your introduction to Disneyland. However, there is no way we can possibly cover all topics in detail about every aspect of planning and traveling to Disneyland. But I'll do my best to at least touch on the major items and give you a roadmap for your visit. And one more point before I get started. I'm sure that a good deal of our listeners to this series will be very familiar with Walt Disney World. It would be incomplete if I didn't make some comparisons along the way. Not in terms of which parks are better than others, that's not what I mean. But many of you are Disney World veterans, or at least are very familiar with Disney World. You've just haven't been to Disneyland before. So I will make comparisons both to place, to both places so that you can become familiar with the similarities and what's really different. So, everyone please take your seats and we'll begin with the most basic question. How do you get there? Well, let's talk about where Disneyland is located. Disneyland was once just a single theme park with a large parking lot in front and was surrounded by orange groves. But the area grew fast and the city grew up all around it. 
The Disneyland area is just south of Los Angeles, just off Interstate 5, which is the major freeway that runs north-south from one end of the Los Angeles area to the other. Actually, I-5 runs from California north to south through the whole state. Disneyland is in the center of the city of Anaheim. Now, Anaheim is a regular city. In fact, it's an inner city. It's not in the countryside like we're used to at Walt Disney World. Disneyland is surrounded by residential and commerce. In fact, you don't have to go but a block or two off Disney property, and you'll run into people's houses. There's a 7-Eleven right across the street, grocery stores nearby, gasoline stations, a plethora of hotels. And in the middle of all of this is this theme park. It certainly didn't didn't start that way, and it wasn't what Walt and the original planners had in mind, but it rapidly grew as soon as the park came into existence, and now it's really buried in the center of the city. Well, in order to see Disneyland, we have to get there, so let's talk about the transportation. Now, I'm a traveler. I do this. I'm not local. I have to get a hotel. I have to get to the parks, and I have to pack for my entire visit. So I can relate to the traveler. So let's talk about all the different ways that we can get to Disneyland. Flying is certainly maybe not the most popular way to get there because of Disneyland's overwhelmingly large population of locals. But for the travelers, flying is probably going to be your best option. Los Angeles International Airport, or LAX as it's called. It's located on the far west coastline of Los Angeles. In fact, the runway is just about back up to the ocean itself. It's almost adjacent to downtown if you're looking at the big picture, but it's about 36 miles to the Disneyland property. Your airfare is probably going to be the best. You're going to get your best rates if you fly in and out of LAX. That's just because it's the most popular hub. It's the biggest hub of the area. Every airline goes to Los Angeles just about. But LAX is big, and it's hectic. It started as a small, spread-out airport, but goodness, that was over 30 years ago, and now it's almost overcrowded. If you're going to be negotiating LAX, you need to plan for traffic. Just be prepared that this is going to be a big, busy, congested, hectic place. One of the things you may see when you're at the airport is the futuristic-looking themed restaurant. It's the one with the arches that is in the center of the property, in the center of the airport. Lots of people thought it was a control tower for the longest time. It's really a restaurant, and it's now called The Encounter. And there's a website for that that you might want to look at. It's a great place if you happen to have a layover there or just going to want to go check it out. It's got some interesting views, although as LAX continues to grow, those views are getting less and less interested. 
So if you're flying into LAX and you're going to visit Disneyland, the next thing we need to do is get to the property itself, especially if you're going to be staying in the area. Well, there's several ways we can do this. And if you're going to stay on property, that's specifically the Disney hotels at the Disneyland Resort, the easiest way and probably the best way to get there is with the Disneyland Express. Now, this is similar to the um, Magical Express that's operated in Walt Disney World, but this is not operated by Disney. This is a private bus line service operated by Gray Lines, but they do service the area airports, including Los Angeles International, to the Disney properties. And it's actually pretty reasonable, $30 for a round trip, Per adult. Great service. Picks you up right at the airline terminals. Very easy, good way to go if that's your destination. If you're staying off property, now you're going to have to look at getting from the airport back to your hotel. Rental cars is certainly an option, and I'm not going to discourage that at all. Rental cars are, of course, available on property, and you're going to want to look for the purple signs around the lower arrivals level that's just outside baggage uh, baggage claim that say rental car shuttles. They will take you to the rental car facilities. Most of them are on property right inside the airport there. A few of them are off property and, and a short distance away. And remember, folks, the white zone is for immediate loading and unloading of passengers only. That's for those of you who know the movie Airplane. If you're driving, meaning if you're get, if you're um, getting a rental car, there are many opinions of how to deal with traffic, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in just a second. But from Los Angeles International. There's actually several ways to get to the Disneyland area and the freeways that you have to negotiate to get there at first can be a bit challenging. For example, one of the routes you might want to take from LAX is to get on the 105, which connects with the 605, to the 91 down to the 5 and then to the Disneyland Resort. Of course, as an alternate, you can also take the 405 to the 110, cross over to the 91, and take the 5 to the it's a mess. It's not as bad as it seems once you look at it, but the maps can be a little bit intimidating. If you're going to fly into LAX and if you're going to do a lot of things where you want to get a rental car, don't be too intimidated by what it looks like to get from the airport to the Disneyland Resort. I might encourage bringing your GPS along or renting a car that has one of them in there just to help you out. We'll talk more about driving in just a second. An alternative to LAX is the John Wayne Orange County Airport, John Wayne International Airport. Now, that's located south of Anaheim and where LAX is about 36 miles to the Disneyland Resort John Wayne is only about 15 miles to the Disneyland Resort. It's located in the city of Santa Ana. 
John Wayne is a great airport. I love it a lot. If you have the option and the prices meet your needs, I would strongly encourage you to select John Wayne. It's it's a homey airport. It's got a nice size. It's very convenient. The drive is easier. It's a quick trip right up Highway 55 to Interstate 5 and right there. And if you want, the Disneyland Express also operates out of John Wayne, and that's only twenty-five dollars per per, oh, per wow. adult round trip. So that's extremely reasonable. Even note note, if you're going to make this a quick weekend trip, there are also other airports around the Los Angeles area, and we've even talked about a few of them on this show: Burbank, Ontario. There's certainly alternatives. You're going to find it harder these days to book long-distance air travel to those airports, especially if you're coming from all across country, because those airports just aren't considered the hubs. Now, if you're here on the West Coast, you might be able to get some very good fares coming to some of those uh, local airports. Driving is going to be mm, more or less challenging depending on how familiar you are with the area, but again, driving Los Angeles is just always a challenge. But don't let that be intimidate you. So Wayne's selection is Orange <laughs> County, John Wayne as first choice, LAX probably as your second choice, depending on what kind of fares you can get. But is that how I travel? No, because I live in Northern California, and believe it or not, driving is my transportation of choice. For me, it's actually about the same time from door to door, driving from the San Francisco-San Jose area, as it would be if I took the time to go to the airport, get a flight, arrive, get transportation, and get to my hotel or to the parks. So don't discount driving. Even if you are coming from a distance, don't discount driving. There's obviously a lot of advantages to to having your own car while you're at the parks. You have flexibility if you need to go to the store or get extra food or drinks or just the convenience of having the transportation that you're the most comfortable with. Driving, I have found, is always a great option when you're there. Many folks I know will drive two days to Walt Disney World and not think twice about it. If you're in the West and driving is an option for you, consider doing that for Disneyland also. Now, from the San Francisco-San Jose area, which would be the gateway to the northwest, meaning Northern California, Portland, Oregon, Seattle, that whole area, you're going to wind up driving down Interstate 5. Also, if you're coming from Sacramento, Salt Lake City, the northern Midwest, even as far away as Chicago, you're going to wind up taking Interstate 80 in to the San Francisco area and then all the way down I-5 all the way to Los Angeles. Word of warning, if you're not familiar with Interstate 5 in California, it is long and it is boring. (laughs) Uh, It is possibly the longest and most boring trip you will ever take. It's about six hours door-to-door from the San Francisco-San Jose area down to the Anaheim area. 
But for those of you that are familiar with that drive, the construction along I-5 is <laughs> now finished. Thank goodness. The last time I was down, which was just a couple months ago, I didn't notice any construction at all on I-5. It looks like they've completely finished with all the areas that they had blocked off. Additionally, all the rest areas have now completed their refurbishment. Finally. Finally. So all of them are now open and fully functional. And the couple that they um, were refurbing, um, really did get some good improvements. They really made that a lot cleaner, a lot nicer, a lot safer. Um, good improvements there. From my area also, you can take Highway 101 as an alternative. That's a very nice trip. It is going to extend your driving time from six hours to about eight hours. But if you are taking a driving trip and you're into it for the scenery, it's a great it's a great alternative to the long boring street interstate 5. The reason I bring up San Francisco San Jose and give you all this detail about how to get down there from there from here is remember this is where the Walt Disney Family Museum is located. I have mentioned before that one uh, itinerary you might want to consider is flying into this area taking the opportunity to visit the family museum, and then taking transportation down to the Los Angeles area. It's certainly doable. It's It would make for a very interesting extended vacation. I personally would recommend it. Continuing with other ways to drive, if you're driving in from the west, either from Las Vegas, Denver, Flagstaff, Albuquerque, you're going to wind up at some point taking either Interstate 5 or Interstate 40. If you're a little farther south in the Phoenix area or further south than that, you might come in on Interstate 10. One way or another, you're going to be driving into Los Angeles, and that's when the fun begins. Woo-hoo. Once you're in L.A., one way or another, you're going to have to get on I-5 to Anaheim. Whether it's north or south, you're going to be on that freeway to get to Anaheim. The Disneyland property is located off Harbor Boulevard, and it's sandwiched between Harbor, Catella, South Walnut Street, and West Ball Road. And once again, that's right off the freeway, and just blocks from the residential and commercial areas. As I mentioned before, driving in Los Angeles is stressful, and you just got to be prepared for that. There is traffic most of the time, even late at night. I find it frequently that if I'm driving back from, say, Universal Studios up in Burbank, and it's midnight or later, it's not uncommon to get into bumper-to-bumper traffic in some areas of Los Angeles even that late at night. It's just the way things are in Los Angeles. Stay calm, drive reasonable, keep alert. That's that's going to be your saving point when you're driving through Los Angeles. It's really nothing to fear. It's just something to be be aware of. Commute times are easily predictable. Regular business hours into the downtown area in the morning and out of the downtown area in the evening. Sounds simple. It's really no more basic than that. So plan your driving 
knowing that that's what's going to happen. So if you're coming from Burbank and you're going down to Disneyland in the afternoon, that's going to take you past downtown. Know that you're going to hit some commute time. California is a right on red state, so you can make a right turn on red lights after a stop. California also has commuter lanes, and this is marked on the freeway, so you'll have to watch out for the areas where there's marked. But in those lanes, and they'll tell you on the signs, you can only drive with sometimes two or three people in your car to ride in those lanes. The other thing you want to watch out, sorry? Oh, two or more. Two or more. A minimum requirement is two. And it's really expensive if you get caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In California, depending on the area, they're watching that more and more. The other thing you're going to want to watch out for is the pay-per-use lanes, or what we call the fast track lanes. For you travelers and visitors, just stay clear of them. This requires a special box that we have to acquire ahead of time and put money on an account so that when we drive through the little automated sensor, it automatically deducts the fare for that special lane from our box. For those of you that don't have this, and I don't think the rental car companies are putting fast-track boxes in any of the cars yet... You're just going to want to stay away from them. So when you see the signs on the freeway, depending on where you're going, that say, you know, fast track, and some of them even give you how much it costs, you're going to want to ignore those. Now, how, how many of those are in? Because I've never seen them in. The average the visitor will not even encounter one of those because they're all basically in Orange County. At least okay. all the, all the ones in our local area are in Orange County in the obscure freeway directions that a normal tourist isn't going. Well, and they all, they do have them on the 110 now. So if they're going to be going from Disney to downtown LA or, you know, to the, to see the, um, shuttle at Exposition Park, which is the uh, Science Museum and the Natural Museum of History, um, they're going to run into the fast track there too. Only if they come from the 405. Because I've never seen them between downtown from the five to the one ten, the five to Exposition Park. Anyway, the other so. place likely to see them is in the north part of the county, up around Ontario. So if you come from that airport down towards the Disneyland area, um, you may run into them on a couple of freeways going through the hills there. Just a little point to be aware of. By the way, if you're driving. There are two great radio stations that I want you to make note of for traffic in particular. One is KFBW, and that's 980 on your AM dial. And the other one is KNX, and that's 1070 on your AM. I have these permanently programmed into my radio. And as soon as I hit the upper San Fernando Valley, I immediately begin swapping between both of these stations. They are going to tell you what traffic situations is like. Now, for the veterans in Los Angeles... When they hear that the 710 is blocked and take alternates, they're going to know what that means and know how to get around them. Don't worry about it. Just be aware that if you're on I-5 and it's going really slow and you wonder what's going on, 
you might tune to one of these two stations and that'll give you a good idea of where the problems are or if it's just a normal day and it's just slow and congested. Oh, and while I'm on radios, I gotta mention this one. If you're a classic rock enthusiast like I am, K Earth 101 is the station you want to listen to while you're in Los Angeles. This is the definition of a California classic rock station. What eras do you consider classic rock? <laughs> 60s, 70s. Okay. They put a little Motown. It's it's just it's it's perfect Cal- sunny California summer or uh, driving music. I think they consider One- that oldies now, don't they? Yeah, they do. They consider it oldies. <laughs> That's why I asked. Okay. Classic rock is like Bon Jovi or something. (laughs) And I would be remiss if, in a discussion of driving the Los Angeles freeways, if I didn't mention the naming convention. I'm talking about the highway number, the 405, the 110, the 91 freeway. It's just the way folks talk about freeways. I have never heard this convention talked about in any other city I've ever been in. But you'll hear it, you'll hear nothing but that when you get into Los Angeles. The other thing you're going to hear is all the freeways here have names. And quite often, especially the traffic reports will refer to the name of the freeway rather than the number and for us travelers that can be a little a little confusing especially since some freeways have multiple names (laughs) (laughs) so true they're trying to keep out the tourists what the heck (laughs) for example interstate 5 north of the downtown area is called the golden state freeway but south of the downtown area it's called the santa ana freeway on the other hand if you get even farther south where it crosses Interstate 405, that's now called the San Diego Freeway, but the 405 is also the San Diego Freeway, but most often is just called the 405. <laughs> An idea. Can, I, can I throw something in here on a couple other ways to help navigate this if you don't have a rental car with GPS, if you don't have um, whatever? If you've got a smartphone and especially an iPhone, there's an app called Waze. W-A-Z-E-E. We have no financial relationship with them, but it's a social GPS traffic and gas app. Um, Waze is fabulous. My husband uses this all the time. It actually, if you put it on while you're driving, it will notify you when you are coming up. It will tell you, slow, accident on the right-hand side. And as you're going through, it will ask you if it's still there. It'll ask you if the accident is still there? Yes, and basically it's a social networking, so it relies on all of the other hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people who have the app to be updating it on a regular basis as they're driving along. So, if you're driving, you're not going to be doing it, right? Well, someone in the car could update it. Okay. That's what you know. I was going to add, too. Just but, be aware that California is a no-texting yes. state. and just It's also a headset state. Yeah, exactly. It's also a headset state. You need to be talking over a speaker or a headset. You may not have the phone in your hand. So if you have... So a, stop a calling good... me, Nancy. Come on. <laughs> oh, please, mister. I'm driving through California texting while I drive because I don't want to talk on the phone per your wife. 
who's sitting right next to you. <laughs> let, oh, me, let me just so wrap busted. up. Let anyway, but this up. is a really good way to get you where you need to be, and it'll kind of tell you about your freeways, too. Cool, thanks. Um, let me okay. just wrap up a little bit more about the freeways. Some of the ones that you're going to be interested in down uh, as we get closer to the Anaheim area, Highway 91, which is also called the Artesia Freeway, that's where Knott's Berry Farm is going to be located. If you're going up to Burbank or through the Hollywood area, Highway 101 is the Hollywood Freeway, and then everyone's heard about the PCH. That's Highway 1, which is the Pacific Coast Highway, and that little gadget runs the entire length of the state and is probably one of the prettiest drives you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. One last thing about driving. We have a term that was used out here quite frequently that you may hear if you're listening to the radio, and that's called a SIG alert. Now, if you hear a SIG alert, um, it's just a significant traffic, but believe it or not, that's not what SIG alert stands for. And if we had the time, I'd tell you this wonderful story about <laughs> where that term actually came from it was uh it was actually in a special technology box that was invented by a man named lloyd sigmund back in 1955 um but it was adopted by the highway patrol and has evolved since then and now if you hear about a sig alert and many radio stations will use that term it just means here's something really important traffic wise and you may actually want to pay attention to that SigAlert.com, throw that in there too, is, is something your co-pilot can be on and checking. SigAlert is also responsible for updating all of the, um, say, iPhone GPS map functions where you can hybridize the traffic into it. Um, so you can see what's red, what's green, et cetera, et cetera. What's red, green, and yellow as far as traffic speeds go. Perfect. Another app you might want to have when you're traveling in and out Burger. <laughs> Very good. It's Southern California. you got to go to in and out Burger. Um, what's really weird is I never eat – we have two or three in Fresno. I never eat them in Fresno. I only eat them in – was it Santa Clarita, Vallejo? And Valencia. Valencia on the way to – I'm sorry, Vallejo, Valencia, to and from Disneyland. So I'm, I'm always eating it when I travel. Food Hard in route. Exactly. Okay, so now we have we have driven across country through the state of California, down through the Los Angeles Basin, and we've made it all the way to Anaheim, and we're now, this is the day that we're going to park at the Disneyland Resort. Oh, God. And we have several options here. And the biggest, and probably the best, certainly the one that's advertised the most, is the massive Mickey and Friends parking lot. Now, you will never see a sign that says Mickey and Friends parking lot this way. I don't even know that that's, there's a sign, save maybe on the park resort map, that says Mickey and Friends anywhere. You will simply be directed from the freeway into the Disneyland Resort and to parking. But that will most likely lead you to Mickey and Friends. This is one big parking lot. Built in 2000, it has six levels and will house 10,000 vehicles. And that's a lot of visitors. And when you hear that 
capacity in the parking garage has been exceeded, that's when you know <laughs> that annual passes for locals are not blacked out that day. <laughs> Mickey and Friends opens 90 minutes before park opening, and that may be significant for those of you who are driving from area hotels who want to get there for mag- uh, extra magic hours in the morning. Um Note that you can't just drive in there at five in the morning. They, they, you can drive to it, but the parking garage itself won't be open. Once you get in, you'll be directed to a specific level. You won't just park anywhere you want to. Cast members will direct you to a specific area, and each level is identified by a character name, like Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Goofy. And from your car on that level, you'll then take an escalator down to the tram loading area where you're aboard a parking lot tram that'll take you to the unloading area that's just in the inside downtown Disney and adjacent to the Esplanade area where the park entrances are. This is not exactly a short trip. In fact, from car to turnstile, it's going to be about 30 minutes. So sometimes you may need to plan that time space accordingly. Or if you want to go back to your car in the middle of the day, which is certainly possible, and I do it almost every day I'm there, you're going to need to allow almost an hour to get from the turnstile back to your car and then back again because of taking the tram and walking and security and all of that. But... It's a nice structure. It's well organized. You will be amazed at the number of cars that they put through that facility. is almost overwhelming. But recently we have an alternative to Mickey and Friends, and that's the Toy Story parking lot. This is a great alternative and one that you might want to consider, especially depending on where your hotel is located. For example, if your if your hotel is in the southern part of Anaheim or down towards the Garden Grove area, you might want to consider parking in Toy Story. It's actually closer to the entrance of Disneyland. It's not quite as themed. In fact, it's not really themed at all, but there is transportation buses that take you from the parking lot. The only thing is... Once again, because the park is in the middle of the city, it's taking you right down the streets along with all the other cars and traffic that's in Anaheim, past the stoplights and everything, and on into a special tram unloading zone that's just off Harbor Boulevard. But it's very convenient, and sometimes Toy Story is a lot easier to negotiate and is actually faster than having to deal with Mickey and friends. So keep that one in mind while you're doing your planning. The other place you want to consider, depending on what you're going to be doing in the parks or in the resort area, is the downtown Disney parking lots. Now, these are separate. This is not part of either Mickey and Friends or Toy Story. There's a separate entryway for downtown Disney and a special parking lot that's nearer to the, the far end of downtown Disney than the parks are. But there's a number of advantages for parking there if downtown Disney is your destination. Firstly, you get three hours of free parking. 
that's that turns out to be just about enough time to do most things if your goal for that time is not to visit the parks but just to kind of play tourist or maybe go do a little shopping or have a bite to eat in downtown Disney for the afternoon. The movie theater, the AMC movie theater there, and certain selected restaurants within downtown Disney will give you an additional validation for two more hours. So if you go there to see a movie, you get five free hours parking there. And I think some of the bigger restaurants there in downtown Disney will do the same thing. Otherwise, it's $6 per hour up to a maximum of $30. So kind of pricey, but better than the $15 that it is to park in Mickey and Friends. Last thing I want to mention is hotel parking. The Disneyland hotel parking areas are not restricted. Anyone can go in and park there. However, there's a hefty charge if you're not a hotel guest. Hotel guests pay $15 a day. Non-guests pay $15 for the first hour and then $9 an hour for each additional hour after that. So hotel parking can get prohibitively expensive for non-guests. Don't do that. (laughs) Just go ahead and park in the regular lots. Now, the one exception is if you're going to be attending one of the restaurants in one of the hotels, either Napa Rose, Steakhouse 55, then those restaurants will validate for parking in the hotel's parking lot. You can get more information from that by uh, giving the restaurant a call when you make your reservation. I'm going to wrap up transportation by mentioning that it is possible to get to the Disneyland Resort via train. Yes, it is. We have had several folks (laughs) who have experience with traveling via train to the Disneyland Resort. I don't know that I would make a vacation out of that, but then again, it would be quite unique to do it. Amtrak goes directly to the center of Los Angeles to Union Station, and Amtrak has many terminal points all over the country where... As far away as Chicago, or, you know, I looked at it one point, there's even a way to get to uh, California, to Los Angeles from the East Coast on train. You may have to change in a couple of cities, but you can do it. I'm not sure I would want to plan a vacation that way, but but, but for the super adventurous who love trains, you can do it. I was going to say, you used to be able to go from Orlando all the way over to um, I know. to California, and that was the Southwest Chief. Yeah, and that was such a great line. And, yeah, and then sorry. Hurricane Katrina, unfortunately, damaged that route. So and, and also cutbacks in service there, too. Lastly, let me just, since we're talking about transportation here, let me talk about the Disneyland monorail. As we have noted many times on this podcast, the monorail is not the same kind of transportation system that it is in Walt Disney World. The monorail is an attraction. Now, one exception is there is a stop at the Disneyland Hotel. They call it the Disneyland Hotel these days because of the refurb that went on many years ago. It's really at the far end of downtown Disney. 
But anyone can enter the park using that terminal. You would have to have your ticket, and you would need to present it and get checked through security. And the monorail will dump you off, not at the front gate, but in Tomorrowland. But for hotel guests or those that want to take advantage of that, you can certainly use the monorail as the transportation system to get you inside the park. But just note that primarily the monorail is an attraction and is used as an attraction more so than a transportation device. Alrighty, we're now to the area. We've done our transportation, but we need a place to stay. I'm going to briefly hit just a summary of some of the hotel options you might choose when you come to the Disneyland Resort and Wow, could this be a big topic and is well beyond what the scope of this series is going to be. Let's start with the Disneyland Resort hotels. They're on property, and you've got three of them. You've got the Disneyland Hotel, you've got Disney's Grand Californian, and you've got the Paradise Pier. All of them very convenient to the parks, Grand Californian, probably the closest because it's right in the middle of downtown Disney. It even has its own entrance into California Adventure, so no walking whatsoever when you stay there. Disneyland Hotel, just a quick walk through downtown Disney. You're at the park entrances, and if you've seen our coverage on the Disneyland Hotel and seen some of the pictures what a gorgeous property it is, and I gotta tell you, it is my favorite. Of all the places I've stayed on Disney property, the Disneyland Hotel is for me the nicest and most magical place you can stay. Paradise Pier is right next door, and it winds up being a little bit less expensive than the other two, but gives you the convenience of being on property. For all of these hotels, you get to take advantage of early entry into the parks. You don't need any other transportation while you're staying there. There's great entertainment both in the, in the hotels themselves and in the downtown area, downtown Disney area. And also you have a ton of food options while you're there. So what a great resort experience to be at one of the Disneyland Resort Hotel properties. Admittedly, these are going to be your most expensive options. It's also going to be your best experience. Disneyland Hotel is going to easily run $500 a night plus. You are going to be able to find some special rates depending on the time of year and the days of the week. And there's also some pass holder discounts that you can take advantage of if you happen to be a Disneyland Resort pass holder. Consider that if you've never been, that is an experience in itself, and I can't think of a nicer vacation than to stay at one of those hotels. Okay, next on the list is area hotels around the Anaheim area. For here, primarily, we're talking about all the little hotels that are collected around Harbor Boulevard on one side of the park and Catella on the other side of the park. 
Now, most of these hotels are going to be lower-priced hotels, some of them budget hotels, but there are some superior uh, properties here, too. For example, Hilton, Marriott, Sheraton, they're all within an easy traveling distance from the Disneyland Resort right here in the Anaheim area. There's also the Howard Johnsons, which we've talked about many times, the Fairfield, and any number of lower-priced hotels and motels, which Disney calls good neighbor hotels. In fact, if you're booking a package, you'll see this as one of the hotel options with a package. And most of them are very reasonable. And one of the advantages to being here is... You're generally within walking distance of the parks. Well, sort of anyway. Walking distance for for these hotels is considered to be in the neighborhood of a mile to two miles. And for a lot of us, that's no problem at all. For some of the others of us, that's a big problem. It's easy going, but coming back is bad. I'm glad you brought that up because that's the one thing I really wanted to emphasize. If you see this, if you look at a map and you go, well, I can walk that. Yeah, in the morning you probably can when the energy is high and the enthusiasm is at its peak. And then you spend all day at the park and your feet are exhausted and you're cranky and tired and all you want to do is lay down for a while and now you've got a two-mile walk back to your resort hotel. It's something to consider. If you can get a shuttle from the airport to a good neighbor hotel and really want to save the bucks, you can make this an economy trip. And if that's your goal, you can make that work. If convenience is your goal and you don't mind forking a little bit more for shuttles or don't forget the um, Anaheim Transit, um, that is also an option for getting from the hotel areas in, in the Anaheim area over to the parks. Remember that there's also going to be a scheduling thing there. And again, here's where having your own car might be of advantage. One thing to look for when you're looking at Good Neighbor Hotels, if they say across the street from Disneyland, make sure you check a map because some that say across the street from Disneyland are across from the back of Disneyland and you're still walking two miles to get to Disneyland. So like like Wayne said, Look for Harbor and Catella is, is what you want to look for. Exactly, exactly. Last point on the Anaheim area hotels in particular. Most of them have been forced to initiate a parking charge per day to discourage folks that want to use the hotel parkings as their local parking lots. So there is an added per day charge to those hotels for um for for guests staying there you want to consider that as essentially an additional rate to your room rate um it may make a difference where you wind up staying it's just something to be aware yeah, some, of some some of them are a little as dollar 50 or something like that they just want to have a, have a form in your window so that they know that you're legit yep exactly yeah, that's true, and conversely, some of them are 10 yep. bucks a day or yep. more. When you get to the Hilton and the Marriott and things like that, yeah, definitely. 
really depends, and it's just put that on your list of things to check when you're when you're looking when you're looking at value. Make sure you include the parking. Now beyond that, you have the nearby cities to Anaheim. North of the Anaheim area, you have Buena Park, where Knott's Berry Farm is located, and that's Beach Boulevard. That's primarily where the resort and the hotels are going to be. Adjacent to that is the town of Fullerton, and a little farther away is Placentia. All of those are fairly convenient to Anaheim, and I stay in them. They're very nice um, areas. Recommend that as an alternative to Anaheim. South of the Anaheim area, you're going to get into the city of Garden Grove, the city of Orange, and the Santa Ana and Tustin area. And if you're willing to make a drive even a little farther south into Irvine. All of these areas, when you really start looking at it, are going to be convenient enough, especially if you have your own transportation, to the Disneyland Resort area to make it worth your while. So if you have that favorite place or that favorite uh, chain you like staying in, you find some good rates in Garden Grove, that's going to be a great choice for you. Now, we've talked also about going up and staying in the Hollywood area, in the Burbank area, so that you're convenient to either Hollywood or Universal Studios or some of the other uh, attractions that are in that part of of the Los Angeles area. Great choices if that's your destination. Just be aware that Burbank is about 40 miles from the Disneyland Resort, and you're going to have to deal with traffic. So just keep that in mind as you're doing your planning. Okay, we've done our traveling. We've got our hotel. I think the last thing we need is tickets. Booths are at the park. Ticket booths are at the resort just in front of the entrances to both parks. There are many ticket options, but then again, not as complex as maybe some of the options that we'd have in other places. You have one park. You have a park hopper, which for the Disneyland Resort is only two parks. And you can get tickets that go from one day to five days. For the multi-day tickets, the ticket will expire 13 days after the first use. So that's something to think about. We do not have a last-forever kind of ticket down at Disneyland. Right now, a one-day, one-park adult ticket is $87, and we'll use that as our benchmark. A five-day park hopper adult ticket right now is priced at $290, which works out to $58 a day. One thing I want to mention here as a disclaimer is check for promotions, check for specials. Disneyland's pretty good at running various promotional special rates with different little options and stuff. Check and see if that's the current price. Especially off-season. Especially off-season. Oh, and by the way, all the prices I'm quoting is uh, the online prices. Um, you can certainly get all of these tickets at the turnstiles. 
I'm going to recommend that you do your planning ahead of time and get everything online so that you'll have your tickets ready to go and won't be spending times in the turnstile, uh, rather in the ticket booth lines. The prices, I think, for the passports wind up being the same at the uh, ticket booths. I'm not sure that the day passes are always the same. The passports, depending on how many times you plan on visiting the Disneyland Resort in a year, you may want to consider passports. Um, for for regular park guests with what they call blackout days, the deluxe annual passport is $469. The advantage to a passport is you're able to take care of uh, take advantage of some specials like extended hours and there are discounts in dining and merchandise. If you know that you're going to be making several trips to Disneyland, several multi-day trips, this may be a good option for you and something to consider. It's, it's what I consider because I do visit so often, even though I don't live in Southern California. The prices for Disneyland, because we know because of the price hikes that have happened in the last year for some of the upper-level passes, have really gone up. The best price right now for the premium annual pass, which is everything, every day, walkout dates, 649 <laughs> Ouch. And if you want to go to the ultimate passport, that's the premier, which is good on both coasts, both the Disneyland Resort and all of Walt Disney World, every Everywhere, all the time, every day, eight hundred and eight hundred. How much? Eight forty-nine for one year. Plus, plus tax. Any churro bets are easily taken. We know this is going up. We darn well this is going up. Come what this June, this August, ever going to be? So you're going to price so many people out with that because. Uh, exorbitantly expensive. Uh, yeah, except with the payment plan, it still doesn't make it. Yeah, but Premier's you know, you not to, on the payment plan. Um, Premier's aren't. Well, you can still buy your premium on the payment plan and then pay, pay cash the for your for the upgrade. But only if you're a California resident. Only if you're a California resident. And we, I didn't even mention the Southern California passports because I'm assuming everybody's going to be coming from farther away. But, it, you know, obviously there's a lot of ticket options here. And, you know, this is where you get out your spreadsheet and decide just how often you're going to be visiting and what works the best for you. Yeah. Once again, all of these you can find online at the Disneyland website, and be sure and always check for current pricing and offers. And I got to reiterate what Wayne said: buy your tickets before you get there. Don't don't wait in those ticket lines. That that's just another line you have to wait in, and it, you don't yeah. have to do it. Keep you know, in mind too that um, most of the good neighbor hotels will sell tickets at their um, at the hotel um, you know check-in desk. Um, and also, the, if you're staying at a Disneyland hotel property, you can buy your tickets at the at the registration desk a as nice well. For those that offer it, yes. Yeah. So ask ahead of time if your hotel, if the hotel you're you're looking into, 
has that feature. And people are constantly asking me, is there any place other than the park I can get cheaper tickets? Do I get them cheaper here or if not? You know, if you're coming from out of state and you work for a larger employer, look in your employer employee benefit plan because that's going to be the only way you're really going to get a discount on these tickets. Some of the big box stores will have discounted tickets on occasion. I was just in our local Costco in this area. I don't see them right now. I know that the California AAA has, uh, has, uh, discounted tickets, but you're really only talking about a few dollars. Yeah. As, as we've said on this show many times, you just can't find discounts for ticket prices right now. Yeah. After all, we have to pay Bob Iger's big salary. <laughs> and if you're coming off. from out of state, you're not going to get, um, you're not going to get the tickets in your local Costco either. So, um, the only place you can maybe get them is at your local Disney store and you're going to pay the same price. Yeah, and when you're saying that, you know, like it's a small discount, you mean small discounts like five dollars. It, it's exactly yeah, if it's, if that if that. So, like I said, check your employee benefits program. And another note on the for or your instance, military base. Another note about the Disneyland hotels selling the tickets. You have to be staying there to buy them. Yes. So so don't think that you know you get to the park you haven't purchased them ahead of time and you're going to pop into the Grand California to buy tickets, they will not sell them to you unless you're a guest there. Now, Nancy kind of glossed over that, but military tickets are a great deal if yes. if that applies to you. Um, there are tickets right now for, while I pull that up on the on WDWinfo.com, uh, $125 for a three-day park hopper. That's a great rate. That's so, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah so if, if that applies to you, Please contact your military base. And actually, I think if you know for sure that this applies to you, you can get these at the the ticket booths. They can, you can get right there at the ticket booths. <laughs> but uh, if you buy them on base, you don't have to pay tax. There you go. Yep. Okay, yep. so we've we've made our transportation. We've got our hotel. We've got our tickets. I think we're ready. Let's go to Disneyland. So where is the entrance to Disneyland? Well, that kind of depends on where you're coming from. (laughs) The park entrances are at one end of the property, but the downtown Disney area and the hotels and Mickey and Friends is kind of all the way at the other end of the property. So Disneyland, unlike the big sign that you used to see back in the 60s, Disneyland doesn't really have a main entrance anymore. You kind of just converge on it from almost all directions. The Mickey and Friends tram drops you off at the far end of downtown Disney. From there, you're going to hit the security checkpoint, and the security checkpoints are on both sides of the big esplanade that surrounds the park entrances. Just after passing security, you will hit the ticket booths, and then you come into the big esplanade, which is between Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure. One of the predominant landmarks you'll see right in the center of the Esplanade is the Disneyland Resort Compass. And many people like to stand here and use this as kind of a, at last, I'm finally here, I'm standing in the middle of it. And when you are standing there, remember that 
back not that long ago, you'd be standing in the middle of the old parking lot. <laughs> Prior to California Adventure being there, this is exactly where all the cars came to park to go to Disneyland. Disneyland is on one side of the Esplanade. California Adventure exactly on the opposite, so they're both right there. And you'll notice that the monorail rushing around from Disneyland and California Adventure on both sides. The turnstiles for each park face each other. You can actually see the lines to the other park from inside the park at the turnstiles. That's how close the parks are. But the Esplanade is a nice gathering area, so if you happen to be gathering at the front of the day or you're meeting friends or you went to grab a bite at the beginning of the day in downtown Disney, the Esplanade area is the perfect meeting place and a a popular uh, location for lots of people to do that. Oh, and one more note. While you're in the Esplanade, you will see all the Disneyland bricks with folks' names on them. And in particular, you're going to want to go to the Disneyland side. (laughs) Near the center entrance, just under the monorail tracks, and you're going to want to look for section C19, number 190. You just might find the name of one of your favorite Disneyland podcasters. And, and mine is right behind in in that same section, right behind that podcasters. Do you know Do you know the number? Um, off the top of my head. Okay, okay, you're going to have to put that in the show notes or something. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get on property at the Disneyland Resort, you start shutting out the rest of the world. There are a few places where you can see the outside, but once you get off the tram and are walking around downtown Disney or in the Esplanade, you are in Disneyland. Now, I don't want to imply that just getting to Disneyland is the only planning that we needed to do or even wanted to do. We'll be talking a lot about Disneyland trip planning and strategies on my future segments. There is still a lot to cover. At Disney California Adventure, from the turnstile, you're immediately going to enter Buena Vista Street. At Disneyland, from the turnstile, you're at the foot of the Disneyland Railroad with the famous Mickey Flower Bed. You will walk under the train tracks and pass the sign that says... Here you leave today and enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, and fantasy. Under the tunnel, out into the light, and you are on Main Street, USA. So here we are, Disneyland. We've made it. And now there is so much to explore. The getting there took a bit of an effort, but now our adventures can begin. There are so many ways to explore the parks, and we'll be talking a bunch about different things and all the different ways to play in the park. In fact, now that we're here, I think I'm a bit hungry. So on my next segment, we'll talk about one of our favorite topics, food and dining strategies. Yeah. But but for now, I think I'll stroll up Main Street, see what time the parade is, and start having a magical day. See you all next time. 
All right, thank you, Wayne. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.